1: Basically, the investigation pretty much started like any other investigation. Uh, We were called in to figure out what happened uh, in a company, to figure out uh, what caused a potential breach.
0: That's Liviu Arsene. He's a senior cybersecurity analyst at Bitdefender. The research we're discussing today is titled APT Hackers for Hire Used for Industrial Espionage.
1: we started doing the forensic analysis on some of the infected endpoints, uh, we created a uh, technical report based on, what our, on our findings, and we presented it to um, the client, if you will, the customer. However, when we took a step back after completing the report, we took, a, literally, we took a step back and uh, took another look at some of the uh, the fine print of what we found, and uh, it was really interesting because we found three very interesting aspects to, to the investigation, which pretty much led us in the direction of an APT-style attack. And these Hmm. three things basically were, um, uh, the entire attack occurred because of a zero-day vulnerability that was being used by attackers. There were some uh, custom tools that were apparently specifically created for this attack. I mean, most of the time you see tools that are off the shelf when you see some sort of traditional uh, attack going after this type of company. And then there was the, the motivation angle. If traditionally most of these companies that are work in verticals that don't really or haven't really been touched by APT-style attacks, you know, the motivation is usually financial. It's either ransomware demand or it's an extortion uh, that the attacker is trying to achieve. But in this case, it was simply information collection, you know, uh, in information exfiltration. So they had a very cl- clear purpose in mind, and that's pretty much what tipped us off. Uh, that something was going on that's you know beyond the obvious, and when we basically corroborated that with some of our previous research, uh, I remember us talking about uh, last time about a month ago about another APT group like Strong PD, mm. and you know going back even further than that in earlier this year, we found some um, remote desktop components that were being used by TrickBot to target specific uh, telecom companies in the U.S. and Hong Kong it kind of all seemed to fit a pattern, you know, and the pattern was that what if cyber criminals, especially skilled cyber criminals like APT groups, were moving away from the uh, politically motivated attacks towards, you know, um, uh, free professionals, if you will, or as-a-service attacks where they could just offer their services to pretty much anybody interested in compromising a potential potential victim, a potential target, or a potential uh, competitor in this case. Yeah, it, it's
0: interesting stuff for sure. Um, there are many elements about this one that, that sort of caught my eye, beginning with the type of organization, as you say, that was being targeted
1: here. Who were they
0: going after?
1: Exactly. So this seems to be a organization that does uh, architectural design. So uh, their background is actually design, architecture, but they also do 3D uh, production. You know, when you have a blueprint for a building or some sort of a project you usually try to give your customer a 3D rendering of that, of that uh, project. Right. So this is what they do. They do they work closely uh, with real estate, for example, and they have been actively been involved in billion dollar projects and it, this is kind of weird because you don't see or traditionally we haven't seen attacks on this type of vertical or this type of company profile, especially such sophisticated attacks.
0: And interesting to me is how they made their way in there. I mean, they were, they were, the payload came in as a plug in for some popular graphics software.
1: What was going on there? So, yeah. So that was an interesting, uh, that was an interesting one because uh, when we did the investigation, we didn't know that that was actually a zero day vulnerability. So when we presented the report, we, we gave them uh, all our findings. We we told them that this is a malicious plugging that was uh, pretty much tampering with the three D 3D, three uh, D S Max uh, functionality. And only a couple of days before us publishing the report, we found three D S Max publishing uh, the vulnerability and the patch for it. So apparently, these guys, whoever they were, these APT hackers for hire, They literally exploited a zero day vulnerability before you know the uh, the uh, the software. Actually figured out that they have such a such a vulnerability, so whoever has the skills to find a zero-day vulnerability in three Ds Max definitely you know knew what they were doing.
0: Now, did you have any sense, or were you able to determine um, how this infected plugin got installed on the system? How they got, I guess, tricked into using it?
1: Uh, unfortunately, no, because you know this uh, the company didn't have any. Uh, sort of uh, CM or tools meant for, you know, monitoring uh, network traffic or monitoring mm-hmm. everything from a security perspective for a very long time. So we could only see what pretty much uh, what we were allowed to see, if you will. Uh, but as it is with most of these attacks, I think uh, it probably was some sort of spear phishing attack or maybe uh, as it was with AP, with the strong PD, APT group, maybe some sort of uh, water holding attack, you know, where... Uh, the attackers know uh, what the company profile is, they know uh, what type of software they use, and maybe they use that against them. Either <laughs> compromise a, a popular uh, plugin, down, plugin downloading website or maybe trick them with some sort of a phony campaign of a new uh, an interesting plugin. But, but unfortunately, that plugin was tainted.
0: <laughs> well, let's walk through it together. I mean, the the, the, the way that this uh, goes at the, the business that it does, uh, the functionality, its capabilities...
1: Uh, can you take us through what you learned? Absolutely. So basically, you have this first uh, payload, if you will, which is uh, uh, which ends up on the victim's computer by exploiting a vulnerability in this uh, 3ds Max computer uh, software, mostly used for uh, architectural design, you know, 3D renderings. Afterwards, it brings with it a lot of other components, mostly used for um, crawling. specific files or specific file extensions, and then an additional component that involves uh, stealing information like passwords or credentials, authentication credentials for various services. Uh, What was interesting about the crawler, for example, uh, is that um, it seems to be custom built for this specific victim. I mean... It specifically skips spe- uh, some extensions, you know, like um, uh, like media files, you know, both, uh, for example, JPEG or MPEG files, and mm-hmm. it doesn't archive them. It just uh, it has the ability to just directly upload them to the attacker-controlled uh, server, the command and control server belonging to the attacker. It also has the ability to allow the attacker to simply browse through any other directory or uh, drive. From the victims' computers, including network-attached drives, for example. Hmm. For example, um, yeah. So these were basically tools that we haven't seen uh, actually in in any attack, and we have uh, looked in our telemetry, and it, they were very, very scarce. I mean, uh, maybe they maybe deployed them on other victims just because just to test them, but it seems that they were really put to good use uh, in this particular case.
0: And, and it was capable of taking
1: screenshots as well. Exactly. So it had the ability to take screenshots. It had the ability to collect usernames, computer names, um, IP addresses. Um, it had the ability to, um, or it was specifically tied, if you will, to a, uh, to a user on a computer. So you wouldn't mm-hmm. find the same uh, payload on two different usernames, two different computers. So um, I, I guess that was mostly because whoever was behind it wanted to know exactly what victim they infected i mean from whom inside the organization they were collecting that uh, that sort of telemetry
0: it was interesting to me too in your research that you noted that uh, this software seemed to be intentional and in not drawing too much attention to itself
1: exactly so um, another interesting aspect was that whenever it would find that ta- task manager or uh, some sort of performance uh, monitoring app was running it would automatically stop uh, doing whatever it was doing to consume CPU power. We believe that maybe uh, it's the type of behavior I uh, employed, you know, in order not to raise any alarm bells to the victim. For example, if you're running 3DS Max and you're doing a lot of uh, processing and you notice that all of a sudden your CPU starts consuming more CPU cycles than normally, then you would naturally open Task Manager to see what, what processes and what services are running to see what's clogging up performance. And mm-hmm. maybe they just uh, hid their processes, you know, the malicious processes, in order not to to attract any attention whenever these um, high performance activities were uh, were going on on the victim's computer, just you know, to fly below the radar.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because you know, I mean, it's been my experience that the folks who are doing these sorts of three uh, D rendering jobs, I mean, they're looking to to squeeze every bit of performance out of the machines as possible. So it's, it's just interesting that the bad guys were aware of that and, and uh, you know, tried not to uh, raise any flags there.
1: Exactly. So it's actually interesting because you know, it's a first to see that bad guys don't want to you know, interfere with your daily activities. They just want to leave you do your stuff. And while you're not using the computer, they'll use it for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, what sort of information were you able to glean in terms of the command and control server?
1: Um, so, as it is with most APTs, it's difficult to say just who is behind them or where the cyber criminals are based. But in this case, we know that the command and control infrastructure seems to be based in South Korea. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you know, these hackers, these APT uh, hackers for hire, are also based in South Korea. As we've seen with previous APT groups, they can be scattered across the world. Uh, so there, this just might be uh, maybe the first tier in their infrastructure, or something that they've commissioned specifically for uh, for a job. Uh, so in this case, this makes attribution a lot more dif- uh, difficult. And I think this is going to be the trend from now on. You know, um, if this whole thing turns to be turns into an APT uh, as a service, if you will, it's going to make mm-hmm. attribution for security researchers a lot more difficult. Because if until now you've had political motivations, you know, like uh, state-sponsored APT groups, or if you've had financial motivations, take Carbon Act, for example. We know that they targeted financial institutions. Now, if you have APTs as a service, uh, you may find yourself in a pickle because attribution is going to be a lot more difficult. And finding out the purpose, the reason, or the motivation behind an attack is going to be a lot more difficult.
0: Is it, uh, I suppose, plausible that this could be some... Some folks working for an Apt group that are taking side jobs
1: <laughs> we were just uh, we were just asking ourselves that around the office because there's not a lot of people uh, that have the skills to do this I mean to find a zero day vulnerability and you know actually use it on let's say a relatively low profile victim uh, plus uh, it's not uncommon or it's not unlikely if you will to um, that part of these Apt groups uh, there could be uh, members that either operated, used to operate, or still operate for state-sponsored APT groups and that have simply you know, banned with other skilled individuals to make some money on the side. You know, if we're talking about as a service, it's pretty much like software outsourcing. You find a good developer, you try to uh, co-opt him for a project, and you know, he, he's giving you his best, basically. Uh, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, these guys were basically trained and skilled uh, by nation-states, or they've, they've honed their skills in various other APT-style attacks and APT groups like Carbonac. So this this could also be a possibility. Yeah.
0: And what was it that uh, that uh, tipped the victim off that they had an issue here and and, uh, and uh, made them bring you all in?
1: Uh, basically, there were a couple of alarms and bells from their uh, network uh, traffic analysis solution, and mm. they pretty much wanted to uh, call us in and investigate to see if there's something going on with their their endpoints.
0: Have you had any indication that there are other organizations that are fallen victim to a similar type of attack?
1: As far as we know, no, because whenever we looked at this infrastructure, this specific infrastructure used in this attack, there were no signs that it was communicating to other uh, victims or that it was receiving some sort of telemetry from other victims. Even the payloads or the tools... That we found in this particular example seem to be unique for this client. So we haven't seen them, at least from our uh, telemetry perspective. We haven't seen them anywhere.
0: And, and so, what are your recommendations uh, for organizations to protect themselves against this sort of thing? Uh,
1: well, I think this kind of changes the whole uh, the whole threat landscape, if you will, or the the whole threat paradigm for uh, small medium-sized or even large uh, businesses. Well, maybe not so much for large, large businesses, but maybe for small and medium-sized businesses. And I say that because um, if until now APTs were mostly um, something that large corporations, large organizations had to worry about, they were, it was part of their threat model, if you will, now with APTs as a service and pretty much being available to anyone who's willing to you know, open up their pockets, could be a problem for small and medium-sized businesses. I'm, and let's just take a scenario for example. Imagine you're a small mid-sized business. Let's take this particular example. You're a small mid-sized business that works in um, architecture and design, for example. And you know you want to bid for a contract in a multi-billion-dollar uh, real estate project. But you're not alone bidding for that project. There are other larger companies with bigger budgets that want you know the inside scoop. What if those, bigger, those larger companies could turn to these APT hackers for hire to compromise you to see what kind of deals you're trying to strike with, uh, with the contract where they're trying to find out um, how you're planning your uh, negotiations to get, the, mm-hmm. to get the contract. And that means they could be turning against you. They could be turning these APT hackers for hire against small or medium-sized businesses just to gain the upper hand, to gain leverage. If we're talking about uh, large contracts, large projects, it, it, it would make sense for these kind of APT hackers for hire to be used uh, on SMBs.
0: Yeah, and I have to say this was a bit of an eye opener to me. You know, having um, throughout my career made use of various uh, programs like this. You know, graphics programs, audio editing programs, and and so many of these software packages make use of plugins. Uh, and they have third-party plugins. You know they come from a variety of sources, and I think in my mind, a, a plugin for a, a package like this has always been something sort of benign in my mind in terms of a security issue. I, I never really imagined that a plugin for a package like this could bring with it security issues, and this sort of changes that game.
1: Exactly. So, basically you can look at plugins as any other application that you install. It's code. It's new code that's running on your machine, either in an application or your operating system, that could be doing wrong stuff, illegitimate stuff. Uh, so this is something that you, know, you have to, to worry, both as a large or mid-sized organization. Uh, but the interesting thing is that, you know this again, this type of, if you will, uh, service, APT hackers as a service, is something that we kind of if you look back, you were, we were kind of expect, expecting this to happen. I mean, just look at, look at malware, for example. For the past decade, it has evolved from traditional malware, you know, some, some malware developer trying out code and then infecting victims to malware as a service. Where malware developers no longer focused on the infection, the infection part of the attack chain, they simply focused on developing the malware and selling it. Uh, look at ransomware you had ransomware that was going after the average user. So there was the ransomware developer and then going after the average user with ransomware uh, demands anywhere between $200 to $700, uh, $700. And then you had ransomware as a service when they, again, focused more on the development part and the service part, offering ransomware to those who were interested and then making a cut off each ransom demand. So I guess APTs, this evolution towards APTs as a service, it, it shouldn't come as as a shocker for everybody. So it's kind of like a natural evolution.
0: It also strikes me that this sort of highlights the importance of, of having that defense in depth, of, of not only looking for things like signatures, but as this case points out, looking for behaviors, unusual activity on your network.
1: Exactly. So this, uh, again, if large companies usually have the budgets, the manpower, or even the SOC teams, you know, th- that are capable of um, uncovering, if you will, these types of attack tactics and techniques that revolve around uh, stealth uh, or uh, persistency. It's the small and mid-sized businesses that will have an issue with dealing when dealing with these APT-style attacks. I mean, uh, it's already bad enough that skill shortage is an issue, is a, is a thing. There's also the issue of neurodiversity. And, For example, when uh, you want to build your own IT or security teams, you need to make sure that they all have a a diverse uh, uh, background, especially security background. And there's also the matter of budget. Not any company can afford to have their in-house security teams. Um, Now, I think the security industry is going to adapt to these these as well. So uh, if security or you can do so much from a security stack perspective you know endpoint security network security edr security i think you can also manage the skill shortage security by you know turning to for example mdr solutions managed detection and response solutions which basically means you have your own swat team <laughs> you can hire your own it or security swat team to come in and investigate whenever there's a problem so I think the threat landscape shouldn't scare us so much because I think there's always going to be the security uh, counter-perspective that addresses that problem.
0: Our thanks to Liv U. Arsene from Bitdefender for joining us. The research is titled APT Hackers for Hire Used for Industrial Espionage. We'll have a link in the show notes.